Hey, yo, what up? You're listening to R vs. Life podcast geared to inspire, inform, and empower local artists here in New York City. We here, you know, we usually talk about what it's like to actually be an artist. You know what I mean? People usually only know the surface level. So, tune in. This is your boy, Quentin Counts, a.k.a. QC. You know what I'm saying? How you doing? You good? You chilling? You all right? How your mom's doing? She all right? Cool, cool. That's what's up. Um, yo, but I want to uh, bring y'all in to listen to this uh, discussion that I have with a couple of great people. Uh, they go by the name of Black Revolutionary Theater Workshop. What they do is that they use their, you know, their creative talents and their crafts and expertise. They use that to send important messages and they add a nice little activism element to it where they address things going on as far as the black liberation struggle, uh, thing, you know, strengths and, you know, growth areas, if you will. You know, uh, they, they have readings and performances and they try to use that to, uh, to start conversations around uh, like making like acceptance of people in the LGBTQ community that are also black and same goes for women's rights and basically black people who don't fit into the mold of what the stereotypical uh, uh, black culture what people think of when they think of what black culture is people who don't fit into that um you know, are usually kind of shunned away a bit as or looked at or treated as someone who's not black. You feel me? So definitely go into that in regards to women's rights. We talk about things like, you know, what uh, what is referred to as the hoteps. Uh, you're going to learn more about what that is. And uh, yeah, man. Uh, and also this episode was inspired by Bestow. Uh, Bestow is a charity app. It's something that you can just connect your big account to. It rounds up. Uh, all your purchases that you make, it rounds up to the nearest dollar. At the end of the month, it takes that money and sends it to any nonprofit of your choice. Anything registered as a nonprofit. There's like bigger companies out there that's trying to do the same thing, but like you can only choose nonprofits that's like on their little list, you know. But this is anything registered as a nonprofit. The, you know what I'm saying? The the dude who who started it. You know what I'm saying? Great dude. I know the dude started off as an artist, transitioned into being a developer and supporting apps, and then end up creating one. And uh, and uh, I think it's a really dope thing. I've been using it to to support uh, nonprofits that I know of, and uh, it's been working. They've been getting the bread. They've been getting every cent, and that's all all is well. And uh, yeah, so we're gonna go into this discussion. You feel me? Alright, so, uh, you know, right now I got everybody here from the uh, Black Revolutionary Theater Workshop, you know what I'm saying, like, what up, what's what up, been? what up, what up, uh, I'm here with Jovan, uh, Heather, Kevin, Cheyenne, yeah. I ain't even, I ain't even fucked that up, <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so, so what's going on, how y'all doing, y'all chilling? We chilling, so, actually, we working, I'm, I'm <laughs> feel you. I feel you, y'all waiting for, y'all waiting for Miracle, right? <laughs> Yeah, Miko. Yeah. 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 Just gotta Sorry, get it right one time on the right. I'm gonna meet you, I'm gonna feel bad after you hear this. Miko Gabba. So um, you know, um I so Black uh Revolutionary Theater Workshop is a company. Mm-hmm. Uh can you get, just help you know describe what it is and Yeah. Uh Black Revolutionary Theater Workshop, BRTW. Essentially we're just dedicating our artistic and administrative efforts to creating a platform to represent black identities, black lives, black lived experiences. And one of the original conversations we had in the founding of the company was, you know, are we comfortable kind of airing our dirty laundry mm-hmm. as a, you know, as a people? And we realized in order to tell a full three-dimensional story of what's going on in the black community, we need to be willing to say, yo, here are these like beautiful, uplifting stories. Here are our, you know, our bright shining MLK and Malcolm X and Rosa Parks moments and you know, and then here are our hoteps. Right, right, right. <laughs> And they need to come correct. Right. And like, you know, here's the day I forgot to put mango butter in my hair. <laughs> you know, like, you have to tell the full story. You can have, you know, your best collard greens, but you also got to let them know about when you messed it up. Right, yeah, And right, I think right. that's what makes our company what it is. We're not trying to, we're not just trying to sell you the pretty stuff. We're, mm-hmm. we're going to be honest with you about some of the things that are hurting us as a community mm-hmm. um, and in the ways in which we've internalized oppression and the ways in which oppression is entirely external. Right, right. Yeah. So um, what are some of the ways that might take form? What are some of the ways you guys, uh, what are some of the things you guys get into? <clears throat> you want to talk about revolution? Yeah. <clears throat> so 
<laughs> Revolution came about. Oh, my uh, fault. Just for just for the people, we gotta clarify uh, the term hotel. Oh, Hotep is my new favorite subject. Eventually, eventually, I want to get a web series started. It's very important. It's such an important topic. I want to get a web series started for BRTW called Real Hoteps of Brooklyn. (laughs) And the concept of this web series is how every conversation with the Hotep is like waiting for milk to spall. Right. It like it starts off fine. You're like, oh, this is smooth. It's coating my stomach. Everything's good. We're talking about how great food is, and the conversation always starts well. It's always like. Yeah, I see you over there drinking your apple cider. Did you know that it is slightly fermented and that improves your gut flora? I did know that. Let's talk about food health. Mm-hmm. You need to make sure that you're not drinking that white man's corrupted water. <laughs> this is getting interesting. Because <laughs> that what makes men gay. <laughs> like, that was a leap. <laughs> It's like hoteps are like fine on one level. They're all like pseudo-conscious about five good things. But then if you get to like women's rights, right. the LGBT community, religious acceptance, like if it gets to like the actual outer so- circles of acceptance, they just fail right. unilaterally. But they can quote some Dr. Sebi. Right, right, <laughs> they will right. let you know what Dr. Sebi knows. Right, 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 right. It's like the, the cure for AIDS has been found within our community. Alkaline <laughs> 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 water. <laughs> you know, I drink alkaline I mean, water. It's good. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, but it's good. 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 It's Oh yeah, uh, what was your original question? So, uh, like some of the things that you guys getting into as far as like the company? Facts. Okay, all right. <laughs> so yeah, we're working on Revolution now. Um, it's going up at Here Arts in Manhattan on one four five Sixth Avenue, um, January twenty first and twenty second. I'm just gonna plug the shit out. This. Plug, plug it in. <laughs> January twenty um, first, we're doing two shows. No one shit. at four thirty. Four thirty. One at four thirty. Mm-hmm. And one at eight. Four and eight thirty. Yeah, no, it's man, four thirty. We know what four and eight thirty. Oh, it is. Touch this out, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we got this back in them. We got five shows coming up. Here we go. Right. Yeah, we're focusing on all. Anybody worry about that? All right, we got it. It's four and eight thirty. It's in the emails. Yeah, it's in the paperwork. It's on the poster right there. Right, right. It's on the posters. We just playing with y'all. We got y'all here. January twenty first, four o'clock and eight thirty p.m. Um, and then January 22nd, we're doing it at 8.30 uh, p.m. Um, yeah, so Revolution is a show in which we envision a, a black revolution and how that would take form. We, um, as Heather mentioned earlier, we talk about um, our dirty laundry. And, you know, what are the ways in which we could have a successful revolution in America and a successful revolution with, um, that focuses on and puts black lives at the premium. Mm. And so we ask a bunch of different questions. How, how can we make that happen? Um, what sorts of things uh, need to happen? What sorts of pitfalls will we, what sorts of obstacles? Um, yeah, we, what do we dive? We d- dive into, uh, hey. we dive into um, Ableism, ageism, classism within our community, racism, sexism, transphobia, um, homophobia, you know, we, we run the gamut of oppression and um, uh, just look to identify the ways in which we could um, come together as a community and also um, draw attention to allies and allyship because um, it's not only black folks who need to change um, in order to make liberation for black people possible. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we forget a lot that um, we've been doing shit for a really long time. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's white folks and allies who need to come correct. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. And this is performance art or like a workshop? It's performance. It's, performance. it's a yeah. full-on production. It's theater. Yeah. yeah theater, theater, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. With many other forms, mm-hmm. right? We have spoken right. more. Speaking of theater, uh, the way I even met y'all, the way I even came across what y'all do, uh, it was the reading of that, that uh, oh my goodness, does this have a name? <laughs> Summoned. It's called Summoned? Yeah. Oh my goodness, yo, that was amazing, yo. <laughs> another Who wrote it, though? <laughs> Summoned, Summoned. Oh, it's on here. Yes. yes. Who wrote it, though? Who wrote it? I wrote it. What's your name? What's your name? Diane and I will summon. Hey. <laughs> What's the whole name? What's your name, Shawty? <laughs> <laughs> so where are you from? You from the Bronx? I'm from 
out. Right, mm-hmm. right. Yeah. Well, I, I think at least, uh, like, you know, you being so genuine and where you stand with it and so genuine in the purpose of the story, I think it flows great, you know what I'm saying? But do what you have to do in regards to that. But, uh, yeah, good shit. That was a reading that y'all did at the Brooklyn Commons. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and y'all do a few things there, right? <clears throat> I work there. Word. I was going to a class there, with a free class, yeah, like Marxism yeah, yeah. and all that. Yeah. That's how I met you. That's right, yeah. Oh, wow. yeah. yeah. Black Marxism, we met you on. Uh, yeah, and we, I work there, uh, and we have our meetings, our weekly Friday meetings, so when we're not in our production phase, which is, which is now, which is all the time, we sit down, we meet Friday, we write, uh, we talk about, you know, upcoming opportunities, what we want to apply for, um, we're working on a couple other things, like we have started a reading, uh, a rape culture, and the name of it is Fruit in the Black mm. Community, and, uh, Jovan is really passionate about this one, so I'm gonna let him talk about fruit. Yeah, man, listen. Um, no, I'm gonna keep it short with fruit. I, I just, uh, uh, rape culture is such a thing, right? Yeah, it, yeah. it just, it, it, it is a culture, and um, I think in order for us to be able to dismantle the culture that it is, it's you know, we need to draw attention to it and yeah. always draw attention to it, even yeah. when it's awkward, even yeah. when it's uncomfortable, even when it hurts. And, you know, and if it affects different people differently, but it still affects everyone, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, and we all internalize it. And, and, and you know, even us in this group, we're all um, victims and perpetrators of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so... I just wanted to talk about that. You know, we were trying to um, come up with just conceptualizing a new show, and um, that's a, a topic that I think we can all personally relate to and speak about passionately. Mm-hmm. And that was sort of it, yeah. you know. And yeah, you know, some great shows coming up. Yeah. <laughs> you, you think, think you want to talk about when we doing fruit? <laughs> yeah. So yeah, when is we doing fruit? Okay, we're we're doing fruit. we're doing um. Somebody coming in there. Yeah, we all optimistic. <laughs> yeah. So the 14th and the 21st. I'm sure everybody moved that joke. The 14th and the 21st of February, um, we got a couple commissions. Uh, one of them is at Kingsborough Community College in Brooklyn. Okay. And then another one prior is going to be at Houston Community College in uh, Bridgeport, Connecticut. Mm. Um, that's one. Yeah, after the the one. See, I don't even. I don't in know. Kingsborough, it, it's. Listen, okay, let's just, let's just air it out. Like, we are producers, writers, directors, actors, and administrative right. for our company. Mm-hmm. Right, right. It's and literally, like, five people making everything that BRTW does right. exactly. happen. Fundraising, Budgeting, all website, of yes. producing shows, sourcing props, costumes, writing, editing. Mm. That's exactly. what we do on, on Friday. That's another topic we want to talk about, too. Fundraising and venue finding. What's that process like for you guys? Uh, what are some what are some things, <laughs> or what are some things that are the hardest to buy it right now and what are some things that are working for you? <clears throat> yeah. Yo. Well <laughs> I, can, I can imagine it's real. For one, you include the word revolution and you surround it around blackness. Mm. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and, and that and that can yeah. that can be uh, that can be good and bad. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's a niche market for it, I can I can imagine. Yeah, yeah. especially around growing. this time. Yeah, it's yeah. a growing niche market. Right. Yeah. Shout out to Trump. Well, yeah, that, that's, <laughs> that's the only <laughs> way we're going to say yeah, shout out to it, Trump. That's election is one of the reasons why we, I think, we're performing this. Yeah, I mean, this, this, um, like literally, Trump got elected, and then we got two bookings almost instantly. Like the man was, people Google were like, "What can I do?" Found us, and we're like, "Let's put them on a stage." Right, right. So they don't think we're Trump voters. <laughs> they, um, uh, yeah, here at Arts, where we're doing a revolution. Um, January 22nd, 21st. January 21st, 22nd. You got your shit. Oh, <laughs> um, <laughs> they, they, um, set out to commission a, a few different artists, um, um, as part of their, uh, sublet series mm-hmm. that they do. Um, and this particular project is called Sanctuary, mm-hmm. in which they bring in different artists to, um, uh, in a month-long span of time, to um, 
present shows or present works that uh, articulate uh, a post-Trump election or uh, a post-Trump America or Trump's America, and um, uh, in, in which you know audience members and and artists alike can process and mm-hmm. grieve and talk about and all, and I always hate those words, but anyway, mm-hmm. um, you know. Uh, feel like they have a safe haven and a sanctuary, literally. Right, right, um, right, right. And still important, still mad important. Oh yeah, definitely. And so they, uh, we applied for it, um, and uh, we're kicking it off. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we're opening the weekend. The weekend starts. There's an inaugural ball. Is that mm-hmm. what they're doing? Like a mm-hmm. oh yeah for the yeah. yeah. Um, um, on the twentieth, like a mixer type of thing. Right, they're gonna have different um, artists come in, perform, and whatnot, and then the actual series starts the next day with us, okay. the twenty-first, okay. um, four o'clock and eight eight thirty. Okay. Which uh, I think that's also gonna be interesting in terms of the concept of sanctuary because right. Revolution is not one of those shows that says. It's okay. <laughs> and we're starting it. We're kicking it off. Yeah. Like, if, like, if anything, Ricky we're saying... Me that entirely. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, we're, we're saying burn it down. Right? Well, part of it is, like, this burn it down spirit. But I think part of it, also, hopefully, people will walk away with a sense of accountability and a sense yeah. of obligation. Like, I don't want people leaving the theater like, oh, well, I did my best. No, you didn't. No, right. you didn't. I don't care what you did. Right. Like, yeah. we have a company that's completely dedicated to, you know, creating a platform for awareness of, you know everything situated within the black community and how we can support our community better and be more conscious and aware global citizens within that community and still each of us can still be doing more yeah yeah. so yeah i i don't know if people are going to leave our show feeling like this was a safe place (laughs) (laughs) well good because i think part of the whole trump epidemic and why it kind of bothers black people right now is because Mm -hmm. people are like oh no america's racist yeah, yeah. What's going to become racist? You're yeah. Like, nah, I've been racist. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, like, telling you <laughs> we've been trying to tell y'all. Like, like, Lupe put a tweet out. He was like, Trump is the racist white guy. Black people have been trying to convince white people exist. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All these years. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> but, uh, but, yeah, no, nah, I feel you. Um, there's also another thing that, uh, that reminds me of is I think it was like a, a, re- a response to Chris Tucker, not Chris Tucker, Chris Rock. Mm-hmm. Same. Um, Made a tomato. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't mean that. I don't mean that. <laughs> <laughs> Chris Tucker and Chris Ross. Everybody I know named Chris. <laughs> nah, but uh, so you know some of the critiques that people had about uh, Chris Rock, um, you know, and his appearance on the Grammys and like how yeah. he made a lot of uh, jokes about uh, these things. And, All the, and, um, the Oscars. The Oscars, Oscars yeah. right? Yeah. The Grammys. Tomato, tomato. Anyway. That one I'm with you. Nah, and he, you know, like, so on one hand, it was good that he was speaking on certain, you know, equality right. or certain things mm-hmm. going on social, but people were saying that on the bad hand, is there was no action item for anybody right. to take. Because mm-hmm. right, I think right before, right after, Leonardo DiCaprio was like, save the environment. Here's how you can chip in on that. Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> you know what I right. mean? Right. Like, uh, so I, I think that's like, kind of like, uh, 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 you know, just a, something I was throwing at anybody that's in the movement or whatever, just to kind of remind to always give it somebody an action item, something to grasp onto, yeah, mm-hmm. and feel like they have something tangible to move forward with. Absolutely. Because yeah. mm-hmm. exactly. even I struggle with that, because it's such a daunting thing that, right. we're, mm-hmm. that we're addressing. And we're all trying to figure and it out. And there's so many, mm-hmm. there's so many elements to what's happening, right. you know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Um, there's so much processing that has to happen, so yeah. it's mm-hmm. really difficult to try to departmentalize that mm-hmm. into yeah. when the process when to like act on certain things yep. and it's hard and that's how the process of, for a revolution kind of started we you know it, it, we started off with a question you know the question was like if if there was going to be a revolution uh, what would happen and would we win yeah just put it out there would we a black revolution. a black revolution Fact. yeah Fact. would we win and we started investigating and we just saw how fragmented yeah. our community yeah. is mm-hmm. and um, and, and not a lot of people, when I talk to allyship, and that they don't understand the, the type of baggage and the, the racial battle fatigue that black people mm, go through on a daily basis. And it's seeped in, in America. And, you know, well, you have all, this op- you know, all these opportunities. You, know, you hear that from the opposition. You know, you, you know, 
white people, you have all this opportunity, you took the school, you know, you, you have all these well, Barack things. Obama was president. You have Barack yeah, Obama's right. president yeah, now. Yeah. So all the well, why can't you get yourselves out of the gutter? Right. And it's not like it's not like that. And and if black people were angry enough and they were killing black people, I mean that year we you know, it was like a black a new black person every day. Yeah. Um and I, I was you know, I was in a really fucked up place. Yeah. And, and and so we just started right, and we went to a, a meeting of, of allyship, which we walked out of uh, because they took our experience to uh, of the Charleston massacre. Mm-hmm. We were going to do a theater uh, theatrical response to that, and it just became this 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 talk about other oppressions and mm-hmm. other people. Yeah. Like they took it off, mm-hmm. and and Jovan did a re- brought up a really good uh, analogy. He said, you know, it's like saying like you know my grandma died. And then so I'm saying I'm standing up right next to you saying like, oh, but my grandma died last year. It's okay. Right, right. But like can I can we just black people at that moment just needed to be around black people yeah. and say, listen, this is how we feel. We feel like we're being murdered. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. literally I felt like you know, I made it home today. That's a good thing. Right. I'm black, right. I made right. it home today. Right. right. And that's what I don't think like people birthdays understand. mean something completely different. <laughs> yeah. 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 Black yeah. Person. Like, yeah. yeah. Who he is means something completely the phone calls to the family <laughs> yeah. is totally different. Like right. I'll be right. from the ground for the phone calls. Home. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's real, yeah. and, you know. And and so we we get. I'm telling you, we get down to the, the nitty gritty, and we go and we say, well, what, what do we have to do to change? Yeah. And what is it that we we have to do to be successful in the Black Revolution? Yeah. Um, and if you look at, uh, we're really inspired by Miriam Baraka, uh, Baraka's work, and and how he how he started the revolutionary theater. Mm. And so we try to bring that hard hitting. Oh. Okay. Kind of so yeah, that's what kind of what revolutionary encompasses. Right. Yeah. Right. Still, yeah. Still, well, uh, now I want to take a step back a little bit and uh, uh, and ask how did the how did the company start? What was the origin? <laughs> of the so and how did everyone start to kind of get? <laughs> Kevin actually gave a, a little bit of a snapshot of that. Yeah. So the company started a little bit on accident. Um, Essentially, Kevin and I attended this meeting that was supposed to be, you know, all these liberal young theater artists forming a performance response to the massacre and Mother Emanuel AME. Right. And I think this was three days after. Mm. And we were there, and there were, like, two other black people in the room. Right, right, right. (laughs) And I think within maybe 10 minutes (laughs) the conversation went from oh this horrible thing happened to you know i'm jewish and my grandmother survived the holocaust or you know i'm australian and i have a lot of guilt over what happened to aboriginal citizens of my country um or you know i'm british and i've always thought white people in america were just a little extra and it became very centered around white guilt white guilt around supremacy, um, experiences of surviving, like, like, valid experiences. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, But at the same time, not the focus of why we were here. Right. And when we tried to bring up, hey, this is kind of erasure. (laughs) Like, we're here (laughs) for a purpose, and y'all are not engaging in this conversation. And when I tell you that you're not engaging in this conversation, you act like I'm militant. Mm. And I've got militant in my left yeah. pocket, so I right. know I have not tapped into it yet. <laughs> right, 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 right. You're like, I know the difference. I know like, I know it. the difference. Like, <laughs> and, and that's the thing that bothers me about it. Like, people like to run up on, on black women especially. Yeah. Like, oh, you're being militant right now. Can you tune down the anger? Like, I don't have actual anger to bring to the conversation. <laughs> right. Like, trust me, I know how to dial it up right, for you, right. boo-boo, in this ain't it. Meanwhile, Tommy Lahren. Right, uh, right. She over here calling people butt hurt for no reason. Right, right. And uh, uh, Megan Kelly mm-hmm. putting out books on being a strong woman. She mm-hmm. being featured on these shows. And mm-hmm. I can't even engage you in an honest conversation about how you stepped into me wrong. So right, right. <laughs> we, we dipped with another uh, gentleman, a very talented actor, George Watson. And originally, we were just like, well, we're going to make our own piece. And we're going to you know, respond to some of the dialogue around this. And our, our early conversations ended up centering around how there's this 
now it's known as alt-right, but at the time it was just like racist white rhetoric right, 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 um, right, right, right. about <laughs> how blacks want to start a race war. Because, you know, we, we had this amazing woman taking Confederate flags off mm. of poles, mm-hmm. off of government buildings, and we had Black Lives Matter starting, and we had protests in the street, and it was a great time of mobilization. But at the same time, it was a great time of, you know, grieving. Mm-hmm. And there's this very strong current of rhetoric that was just like, black people ain't got no reason to be sad. We always kill niggas in the streets. <laughs> Why y'all mad about it? It's an American tradition. Right. Like, maybe it shouldn't be. Right. So we started talking about these like these these weird dialogues around race wars, and we we're like, well, what if there was one? Right. What if the Black Revolution happened? One, would we win? What would happen? And the conversations that ended up influencing so much of like, the narrative arcs, less so than the the thematic arcs, which you touched on really well earlier, Jovan. Um, were the ideas of like what happens in relationships Mm. Um, you know what happens in interracial relationships what happens in you know families when one person doesn't want to fight what happens you know when a country actually devolves into a sense of you know um, military justice that's like more vengeance and a lot of vigilantism without as much Mm. control what happens to communities that were already extremely at risk within a community that's at war right Um, right, so we looked at pieces like eclipsed and we looked at the work of mary baraka and we read revolutionary theater i don't know how many times (laughs) um and slave ship and one of the things that we realize is like the communities that are already at risk within black communities um such as women such as as trans folks, such as, um, you know, members of the LGBT community, um, such as differently able people, elders and children, these people are going to be pushed even more to the fringes if we haphazardly threw ourselves into a war. Right. We would have to look at, you know, you know, if you have a woman in a relationship with a white woman and she feels like she needs to fight, what's going to happen to her white wife? Mm, you know, yeah. if you have, uh, you know, men in the down uh, on the down low, we already have this weird sense of toxic masculinity that's right. only going to be heightened mm. when it comes to this idea that everyone needs to that's fight. That's a great point. Yeah, that is a great point. So we explore what that. What happened to the trans women? You know what I mean? Right, exactly. We, we touch yeah. on that. Yeah, yeah. 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 It, yeah, it doesn't. We actually have a piece that's based on a few actual court cases about how in most states in America right now, this isn't like a 15 years ago type thing, in most states in America right now, a trans woman, if she is, you know, accused of a crime and arrested, she can be thrown in jail with a man. Mm. She can be in a holding cell with several men. Mm. And no one thinks that's a problem. We know rape culture is amplified in the prison system. Right. So we think it's okay to put a female-bodied, woman-identifying person in a cell with a bunch of men, regardless of what crimes they've committed or what they've been accused of committing. Right. Um, So just things like that. How would those things be amplified within the revolution? And then we got a commission. Thank you, Jovan, um, who set it up with Housatonic Community College. That was our first ever gig. Mm -hmm. And then we, you know, had a reading and we invited Jovan and Miyako. And later on, I Thank God for Facebook, because I saw your post, and I was like, we need another woman. I loved working with Cheyenne. <laughs> Cheyenne was cast in the first show I ever auditioned for in New York. Like, I moved up here, auditioned for the Colored Museum, and, like, I'm still in touch with most of the cast members from that experience yeah. now. Yeah. So it was so wow. easy just to be like, I want to work with you again. Right. Awesome. <laughs> right, that's like 2011. <laughs> This yeah, it was a while ago. Yeah. Type right. All right, so Could be on my phone. <laughs> Yo, imagine sharing the office with somebody to type like. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna call. We can hear you. <laughs> Anger writing. Yeah. People lit even with typewriters, right? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Sorry. <laughs> no, but yeah, so we kind of accidentally congealed into a company, really. Yeah. <laughs> it didn't, uh, we didn't really form. But as a result of that, we were able to set some practices that we don't get to see in other companies, mm. um, such as restoring the idea of just trust, respect, and love mm. within an ensemble, which mm. is so weird. You don't see that in most ensembles. Like if someone's, mm-hmm. for instance, if someone's running late, mm-hmm. in most theater companies, you know, if you're on time, you're late. If you're five minutes early, you're on time. That's right. just how it is. And if you're late, there's this weird thing where a lot of directors and stage managers specifically will be like, 
why are you late? Blah, blah, blah. People don't want to right. be late. And right, if you right. just restore the idea that you trust, respect, and love everyone in the mm. room, the thing is not then, oh, this person was just messing around this morning. It becomes, are you okay? Do yeah. you need anything? Yeah. We respect you as an artist and we value you in this room. Yeah. And if you can be here, we'd love to have you here, but we know that this is a priority for you and right. if that can't happen, it can't happen. Right, right. That's just, you know, it, it's such a, it's odd to say that that's revolutionary because yeah. we associate revolutionary right. concepts with militants. Right. But like just having that in a room, it almost makes it harder to do other shows. Yeah. <laughs> we yeah. go from this to other shows and we're like, hey man, y'all don't even love me. Like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's nice. You brought donuts today. Smiling at me the whole way. Oh, can I help? Go ahead. No, no, it's fine, bro. It's the, it's the vibe we set. Yeah. yeah. Trust, respect, and love in the world. You gotta have it. Now, I, I agree with that on so many levels. There's actually a lot of studies about how our body actually reacts biologically and chemically to how we perceive a stressful situation. Mm-hmm. Like, literally, from your, the reward systems in your brain to the, to the fear chemicals in your brain to certain things that's happening that actually make you more prepared to address the mm-hmm. obstacle ahead of you. Yeah. And literally, your perception affects you physically and your ability to do the job. Mm-hmm. So, like, that's how, like, so when people, like, just attack people who are actually trying, I was like, yeah. yeah like, yeah, people are trying the hardest. Just if you restore yeah. the idea that someone is trying their best, yeah. it does, it makes so much of a difference for how you relate with people in the world mm-hmm. and that's not saying that like none of the five of us ever pop off on people like right. we definitely right. <laughs> you know have the ability to be like you need to come correct <laughs> you but, right? but like if you're working with people you know and you choose to work with people and you have agency over that situation right. why not trust respect and love the people that you work mm-hmm. with like we're mm-hmm. so blessed and we have so much privilege in that we were able to form a company in New York City, it is so ridiculously expensive to live here, and somehow, you know, we can scrape up the money for an LLC, and yeah, we can, right. you know, do shows from here and there, and we get paid to do work that we love. Right. So, I don't know. There's no reason not to infuse a situation of, you know, blessings and privilege and honor, and extend that blessings and privilege and honor to the people that you're working with. Mm. That's mad powerful. Yeah. Right. That's mad powerful. That's mm-hmm. revolutionary in itself. Mm-hmm. Um, I agree with that wholeheartedly because we have to be one to accomplish on this higher political level as far as like figures and laws and policy, but there's like multiple levels of revolution. Mm-hmm. Revolution that mm-hmm. happen. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one of them. Yeah. Uh, so real quick from close, I just want to do a quick run through everybody on like uh, you know some of your your backgrounds a little bit before you got into what you're doing now. So uh, Giovanni, uh, uh, did I say it right? Nah, but Giovanni. Jo- uh, Javon. You say Javani? I added an I. Oh, yeah, everyone does. So it's fine. Um, so, first off, my name is Javon. Um, <laughs> um, background I'm from Bridgeport, Connecticut. Um, uh, like, what, like theater background and stuff like that? Let me well, see. Well, yeah, maybe like uh, you can talk about like some of the stuff you've been into. Where you from? What you gonna cover? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, uh, yeah. Bridgeport, Connecticut. I, I guess I grew up um, wanting to rap and and do all that kind of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, I used to <laughs> write rhymes. Um, and I still have a lot of them. They're not really well. Some of them are good, but um, and that was like my first um, foot into the arts, I think. And then I, I picked up quickly. Got bitten by the uh, acting bug mm-hmm. um, and then I met Kevin um, and then I, I just kept doing uh, theater and stuff like that and wasn't really into any sort of revolutionary theater at first I was really into Shakespeare which I still am into Shakespeare and then um, moved out to New York to follow his career and then it's like you know it's the James Baldwin quote which I'm not going to say because I'm butcher it but it's you know um to be conscious in america you know is to always oh, be yeah. angry That's and right. you know mm-hmm. and like i was happy before i learned about the truth it, right. it's true it's, it's right. just Every how it is you know. by it's so much easier <laughs> and comforting yeah. ignorance is bliss um and once i started to you know to pay attention to to shit that was happening around me i i knew that i wanted to do more in, in activism but i needed 
to learn how to marry the two. Mm. And that's why this company coming about was like perfect and is still mm. perfect for me and works. Um, so yeah, that's it. All right, all right, all right. Um, Heather. Heather. Um, let's see, I, I come from the Midwest, Upper South. Um, I was not interested in theater to begin with, if that's not a curse word in my industry. It is. Um, yeah, I know. I know I'm about to get kicked out. Um, I hated theater. I really, really did. Um, and then I saw Jitney when I was like 14. Um, and I had, like, I'd seen black people on stage before, and it was clearly like the diversity role. Mm, like, right. oh, that's a butler. He can be black. Um, but I had never seen. Diversity role, I'm sorry. No, it's so true. It's <laughs> so true. It is. It is. And, like, and like, side note for the rest of the world, we know what you're doing. We <laughs> <laughs> will. Like, black people know. Yeah. Like, we, we know the color of water. Man, <laughs> so I saw Jitney, and it was like the first time I saw black people just being black mm. on stage, but being the like full experience of black. Um, you know, you had black men on stage talking about what it was like to just buy a house. Mm. And but at the same time you had them like just rolling up in the in the car shop and just being niggas. Mm -hmm. You know? And I was like, I do that. Right, um, right, right, right. And so for the first time I was like, I could do that. I want to be a part of making that happen. For real. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um for a long time August Wilson was my favorite playwright, mostly because of like that one moment. And then a few mm -hmm. years later, I was working for a theater when I was 17 and I got to be in the room during the production process of Gem of the Ocean and I was just like, this hits me in my spirit in a way that no white theater ever has. And I've seen mm -hmm. amazing white theater, mm -hmm. um, but there's something about seeing an honest representation of you, even if there are issues that you have with the work. Right. You know, I don't necessarily like August Wilson's portrayal of black women, right. um, mm -hmm. but at the end of the day, if it's an honest portrayal or if, it, if there's a sincerity in it, um, and it comes from your people and it's for your people, there's just something so amazingly powerful about that. So when I went to college, my focus was mostly around, you know, how do I create spaces for blackness within traditionally white artistic spaces? Right. And I'll never forget this guy who's like an up and coming director now, and he's, you know, really talented and I still support his work. He sat down with me after I had directed a production of Amiri Baraka's Slave Ship, and he was just like, I like what you do, but it's not theater, and I don't think you should call it theater. And I was like, I actually don't give a fuck. Right. <laughs> theater comes from the word theatron. That's Greek, nigga. You can call it whatever the uh, fuck you want. Facts. Hashtag. So yeah, then I went to New York and I tried to find a way to make that happen. And you know, I went broke like every other actor. Mm -hmm. um, but then I met, you know, Kevin and Cheyenne and Jovan. I already knew Miyako. Um, and we made this thing happen. I'm sorry, are you and Kevin seeing each other? Oh, yeah, we married. Oh, you married? Oh. <laughs> 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 oh, oh, is that important? Minor detail. Yeah. <laughs> and this is, is recent, thing? right? No, no, for like the marriage. Yeah, yeah, yeah we got uh, October. Um, yeah. Oh, actually, no, technically September. September. Yeah, we just had the party in October. You know what's funny, too? I got engaged. Thanksgiving. Oh, congratulations. Oh, congratulations. Thank you, thank you. All right. <laughs> Don't let your earth rule you. <laughs> alkaline water. Don't let her have you drinking that cow's milk. Oh, son, it's going to make me a homosexual. I keep drinking that water. <laughs> <laughs> um, my name is Cheyenne Tavon Brown. I was born and raised in the Bronx. Uh, and I thought I wanted to be a lawyer when I was in high school. And then I went to Middlebury College and saw the poly side department. I was like, fuck that. Right. I can just act like a lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> so then I joined the theater department um, and was like the only black person in the whole department for a good stint of time. Um, we come every three years is what it is. Right. So I didn't do a whole lot of acting in college. Um, you were in a diversity role. Exactly. Right. I played Mariah in Twelfth Night in four years, and that was it. Um, yeah. Um, so I graduated, and then I did Teach for America for a couple years, and I taught sixth grade social studies, ELA, and phonics um, in Newark. Yeah. And that was like the catalyst for me to get the fuck out of teaching because <laughs> I am about this life. <laughs> Let me go back to art. <laughs> 
so then I went to Columbia for my <laughs> acting MFA and I graduated in 2014. Hey. Um, had two babies, Cullen and Caius, um, and then synced up with these crazies. <laughs> Thank God they saved me from a life of crime. Um, right. <laughs> 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 and artistically right now, basically, um, just trying to get my kids to like school age before I really start going full time back into acting. Um, this is the only time I act right now is if I'm with the company and primarily trying to focus on growing as a writer. So Summoned mm -hmm. is the first play of a cycle of plays. Right. Working on the second play now, it's gonna be called Bound. Um, and in total, it's like a 12 play cycle. So this is probably gonna be my life's work, I think, mm -hmm. if I do it properly. Oh. But, oh yeah, and, um, I have a reading <laughs> of Summoned through Nora's Playhouse on Friday, uh, February, uh, I think, 17th. Um, oh, really? But uh, we don't know the location yet, so stay tuned, folks. We will be back with that. Check our, check our page. <laughs> Like, but, but the point I was making earlier is that we do everything, so yeah. it's easy for us to, uh, for shit to oh, get. Cut it out. But that is February nineteenth, y'all. February nineteenth. No, no, no. Nah, seventeenth. Yeah, it's seventeenth. That's what we try. Uh, you know, saying. You know, <laughs> no, 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 no. How about that? I'm gonna put it in the description and all that. You, me? Uh, you know, what I'm saying we're gonna get that edit work right. Anyway. <laughs> I'm kidding, I'm leaving exactly how it is. <laughs> <laughs> Word. Um, all right, Kevin. Yeah. What's on you, my brother? What's up, bro? What's up, people? Yeah. Uh, yo, my name is uh, Kevin Green, and I'm, I live, uh, I'm from Connecticut. Um, I, originally, I wanted to go into journalism. Um, and I didn't have enough money to go to the school I wanted to go to in Florida. And I went to a uh, community college in Connecticut, Bridgeport, Bridgeport, Connecticut, Houston Community College, and a very, I met a very, very sweet and giving man, his name's Jeff Sheehan. Oh. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, the Joe Bond, uh, no. the disappointment yeah, you had. No, I know. And, uh, <laughs> and, and which, who, who, so Jeff, Jeff Sheehan, who slowly became my mentor, and um, I took an acting class for free and it was an acting two class mm. and I got bit by the bug that way and I was like I'm not going to journalism school <laughs> I'm not doing that I'm gonna act and I I learned Shakespeare like that was my first like intro to like anything and how he made that so accessible to me and made it so contemporary in my own I thought man I just grew so much and that's why I met Jovan my best friend my brother uh, and then so I moved to New York and it's a funny story she talks about Jitney being one of her favorite plays I was in a show Jitney closing then went to his show and that's where I met her this is just, this is like yeah. stars like, yeah. your head is um, and you know how I do <laughs> you know how I do <laughs> this, this is making me so happy right now <laughs> and you know how I get the, the numbers <laughs> Actually, you should you should go ahead and tell them the story how you got it. <laughs> and you know how I do it. Go ahead and tell them the story. <laughs> Bag it like that. <laughs> go and tell the story. Did you, did you walk over the wall? <laughs> no, no. So what happened was we um, I was I was vegan at the time and I was sitting next to. I saw this. I saw <laughs> the very next day in Malia. I was a vegan. Yeah, I was, I was a vegan and I was I saw this. You know this. This sister sitting there by herself, and you know, I saw you know she was on the phone, or she had a couple of friends talking about soy milk, and I was like, oh, are you are you vegetarian or vegan? And I, I led with that, and she's like, yeah, I'm vegetarian. I was like, oh, okay, we start talking, and then I like how you left out how you fell up the stairs. No, don't you don't put that out there like that. See that? See, see that's that's part of the game. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> 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 you know, she's like, "Are you okay, brother?" And I was like, "Yeah, of course I'm okay." You know what I'm saying? This is why I'm falling up to you. That's But anyway, yeah. So it, I, I sat next to her because um, it was general seating. It so happens that it was it was so packed at his his show, the Changeling, that I ended up having to sit next to her that night. 
And then after the show... And you, like, rolled up with a smooth apology, too. Like, I promise I'm not stalking you. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, I promised I was going to be in the front row. It's the last seat in the I front did. row. I promised him that I was in the front row. <laughs> he said, you better be in the front row. And so I... That was the last seat in the front row. And he was on stage with the same face he had. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then I told him, like, after the show, I was like, I'm going to ask her for a number. I'm going to ask her for a number. And he's like, okay, ask her for a number. So I go up to her, and I'm like, yo. I was like, so I was wondering, you know, you want to hang out or whatever. And I was like, you want to try Facebook? And my phone is dying. And, she, and, she, and I was like, well, how about I just get your number? And you're like, and what did you, I don't know. I was like, you're like, yeah, I think that's a better. <laughs> So she kind of like you got hit with the shade. You got hit with the shade, but you know I, I was like, but, there you go. That, but, right. <laughs> but, but that was the plan. You know what I'm saying? I went into that knowing that. So you, and you then sketched that. Tip the tag. Well, I think that. And then later, what happened? With your awkward hugs. Oh yeah, I gave you a hug. Yeah, after the bar. At the bar. You like got me as I was leaving because my friend Nate had got you drunk. <laughs> That's right, because I was drinking whiskey oh, yeah. with this dude c- celebrating his closing. Yep. Yeah. Oh, and then he left. He was already hooked. <laughs> yeah, he left, you know. It, yeah, it was already. He had, he had a drink with my boy. <laughs> <laughs> he like came out of nowhere. It was like the Matrix. It was like. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's funny because you know when you're single and in, and you talk to a lot of you know potential women right. to date, you ask you know have a you know conversation. Potential women, yeah, they're not <laughs> real women. Well, potential, well, they could uh, be women, women, they potential suitors. Okay, uh, uh, you know, you always assume that you know they have a boyfriend, and, right. I, and I was so used to the fact that that you know a women that I like talk to and could just be so like witty and like just comfortable, like. Exchanging with, I, I found her women in relationships because they're not worried about you on that kind of level. Right. So when we were witty uh, and I was just like so comfortable, I was like, oh, you probably have a boyfriend, so I don't want to make this awkward. And she's like, oh, I got a boyfriend. I was like, oh, all right, well, in that case, let me do. Turn, look do. at the camera. Like, oh. <laughs> got this. Let me, let, me, let me show this earth what this guy. <laughs> And that's why all hoteps are single. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, and then, um, so we, you know, I formed this company out of a necessity. Uh, like, like Heather said, I mean, we, it, it just became uh, a thing. You know, we, we were meeting every Friday, workshopping, and I was telling Jovan to come, come in to the, to the meetings and the workshops. And it just, it grew, and thank you for the opportunity, because you were in a show up in Connecticut, and then I think, oh, yeah. yeah so it, it, it's just it was just amazing, just a happenstance, you know. He's like a brother to me, and I said, I need you here, and because we've been talking about activism and you know, uh, acting and marrying the two. But and it's weird because me and him would have like these long conversations about black theater, right. how we just didn't want to do black theater, yeah. right? And I remember that um, every black show, every. Uh, cast member that was black, we were just very hard on them. It was like, man, this is not what I want to do. This is not the story that we want. And I think it's because they were talking about other things and um, that w- that were just on the surface and making mm. people feel good about being black. And that's and that's fine. I think right. that there should be uh, a medium for that. Mm-hmm. Um, and like the like the, I'm gonna say like the Martin Lawrence's, and right? Like, and you know the laugh and like right. get all black, and, and that's fine. But like, there's still a necessity for the work that we're doing. Mm-hmm. Right, right. I think especially with yeah. the kind of um, resurgence of like a toxic black theater. Yeah. It's like, you know, it's great if you can go see the feel good stuff, but so much black theater yeah. these days is like, you know, the abusive man who happens right. to be dark skinned. <laughs> yeah. right, right, and then yeah. the savior man who's light skinned and in right. touch with his feelings, mm-hmm. AKA Drake. Right. And then, right, right. Yeah. you know, and then you got the woman who slowly becomes woke yeah. because she changes her wig. Yes. She starts with a perm, and now wow. she has the $15 Angela Davis fro yeah. perm, or the fro wig. Like, we can't tell. I'm like, you can't keep telling me this story, yeah. and it's laced with, like, colorism, and, you know, the writer is, like, deep in the massage noir. Like, we did a show. I'm not going to give away all the details because I don't want to put the brother on blast, but we did a show with another company, and the dude was like clearly on the hotel council. Right. And board of trustees. No, you know, he's paying his hotel dues, right? And 
you can always tell. You can always tell when a man can't call a woman a woman when they just females. Mm-hmm. Female what? Dude, it's an adjective. Are you referring to someone within the same species as you? Right. Because we conveniently created a word for that. It's called woman. Right, right. <laughs> you over here. Female cables. All right. Like, literally all the roles for women in his play were just crying around men being sad about something some man did. They were not active, they just responded and the only response they could generate was one of pain. And I'm like, there's something indicative of a problem with how you perceive your community when the only way you can imagine a woman is in response to your existence. That's fundamentally flawed. I don't just stop existing because a penis left a room. Right. So. I do get that. You don't just pause. <laughs> she, she, she's, 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 and I do get sad. <laughs> I'm single. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, there was something that um, um, actually before I close, there was something I was meaning to ask y'all too. Like, uh, what was it like learning and playing the roles that y'all played in Summit? Like, and what was y'all connection with the characters? What were y'all feelings about the character? What was it like walking into the character? I'm sorry, that's that's my main reference point because that's what I, that's what I saw myself. You know what I mean? Well, for me, I, I feel like I feel like a lot of uh, Delano's characteristics and like his passion is kind of like mirrored within within me. I ain't going front. I felt that. <laughs> I was like, this role is perfect. Yeah. I asked Cheyenne, I was like, is this supposed to be like a kind of like a version of me? And she's like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think <laughs> there's something about not just the roles, but the world of the play that feels very, very comfortable. Yeah. Not just like, I mean, Estrella as a character for me, was like comfortable sliding into like obviously her pain hurts and her experiences are you know real and vivid and you know all those things but there's something about the world of the play that definitely exists within this like brtw Mm -hmm. i don't know cosmology i guess that we've created almost um so yeah it's actually surprisingly comfortable even though i think i've lamented about this before like with the company but you know casting always has types and I find that I'm usually like, you know, sad girlfriend number one. <laughs> I'm a boo up with her number three. <laughs> you know, like, like I played Viola in Twelfth Night. I think that's like the best explanation of that. <laughs> I don't know what it is, but I'm gonna take your word for it. <laughs> I mean, it, it was a great Based example of diversity casting. Got you. Got you. Um, but like the basic story is like I'm just pining over some dude mm. while some woman thinks I'm a dude, so she pining over me. <laughs> and the whole thing is just a cis sexist 15th century mess. But um, as <laughs> Shakespeare fans, I still yeah. <laughs> I'll still audition. Shout out to Shakespeare. Shout out to Shakespeare. <laughs> Billy, Billy Shakes. Billy Shakespeare. But, um, but yeah, it was really nice to actually do a role that I know I can do and something I was really, really comfortable with. But at the same time, I know that, like, the average casting director is not going to look at me and be like, you, mm-hmm. for this really complex, you know, right, right. wife and things like that. I mean, just like being a younger black woman, you're not going to be a wife. You're going to be a hoe. You can be a side piece, yeah, yeah. but like you don't get to be a wife until you're in your forties. That's just real. Yeah, that's a fact. Until you all, until you've already had like ten other whole movies. Yeah, yeah. Like you get to be a hoe, and then at some point, as a black woman, you are completely robbed of any sexual identity, and then you mm-hmm. get to be a wife, and you get to mourn over your son who got shot in the streets of Chicago. Right. That's just <laughs> the arc of a career. And then you get to be like a grandma. Wife oh yeah, I can't wait to be a grandma. I'll be great at that. <laughs> <laughs> Where is this? I'm just trying to get to roles and fences. You don't know what I did to get this house in this white neighborhood. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, I really hate it when people try to like, you know, uh, talk about the black experience and entities that aren't controlled by black people, the narratives aren't controlled by black yeah. people. 
Mm-hmm. And it's like, if you're not going to do it right, leave us out of it. Because it's yeah. like, it'd be other minority groups to be like, well, at least y'all be in movies. We'd be like, not in the way we want to exactly. be. Like, mm-hmm. And we didn't ask you that. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're still stepping and fetching. Well, and the yeah. worst part is like, at some point, you have to really, you know, grapple with that because you either get to take the role and pay your bills right. and do what you went to school to do. Like this is one of the few industries where there's this expectation that you educate yourself continually. Mm-hmm. And yet people expect you to do it for free. Yeah. It's like, I'm sorry, I spent a quarter million dollars so I could do this for the rest That's of my life. You go and at least break me off a smooth 10 an hour. Right? Like, <laughs> hey, at the least. And, and really, that's just courtesy, because what I'm going to do with $10 in New York? Right, <laughs> that's right. not even paying for real. I told you about the, the yeah, $20 yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in New York. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's not going to fuck $20. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, there's a real economic a incentive here to just take any role, and then half the roles you're going to take. I mean, at some point, you know, you got to say, do I care more about my integrity, or do I care more about pay- paying my rent? Can yeah. I continue being hoes and slaves and butlers and all this, right. and saying essentially that this is my people, mm-hmm. or you know, do I like not being homeless? Right, mm-hmm. and that and that's why BRTW is so important because mm-hmm. we take that narrative and we create it. You know, we create our own narrative. We mm-hmm. we write stories for Black people by black people mm-hmm. we, and we're not an entirely not, black company yeah. and we're deliberate about that mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and we want to make sure that if, if there's volunteers are black if there's people you know um working with brtw they're black you know administrative like we when we get bigger that's the whole the, the long you know long plan is that you know, everyone who has any kind of uh input into what we do we want it to be we want them to be black thanks yeah for real son for real uh, and lastly, last but not least, like I, I'm still figuring out how to ask you about it because you you wrote it. But I'm gonna get to you, Giovanni. What was it like learning? Uh, you know, and again, kudos to the script writing. Son. <laughs> that was, was, that was a, it was that's what wow. sold this interview. <laughs> um, okay, so I played past Delano. Um, for me, it was interesting because. There's a lot of parts about that character that I that I'm not necessarily that, that weren't easy for me to, to jump into. Mm-hmm. I mean he's he's a little more out I mean I guess I can be like outspoken and like out there, but I, I but for the most part I think I'm more introverted until something that I'm really passionate mm-hmm. about, even though he is really passionate about it. But he has that whole tap side to right. him and mm-hmm. I strive. Real, real, right? Huh? Ain't that like one of your peeves? It's one. Of, it's one of my peeves. I, I don't. I don't fuck with hoteps, and I, I, I don't. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, I just, I try to stay as far away from the ideology as as I possibly can. And he has, you know, very much like hotepish um, qualities to him. Mm-hmm. I mean, he 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 tries. He grows out of them a little bit when it comes into Kevin's character, the um, current. Delano, but my version is a little bit more um, hotepish. So for me, I think that was a little harder to, because I, I just have a problem fitting that skin in, in a really authentic way without making it feel like, oh, I'm just a caricature of this hotep instead right, right. of like figuring out, okay, what it, what is it that makes him think that way? What is right. it that makes him tick in that sort of way? Right. Why does he think he's right in those situations, right. you know? And because, um, and maybe this, it, and as the play gets developed and as, if I take on the role, you know, as time goes on, I'll have um, more of a chance to flesh that out. Yeah. Personally, you know, I can I can justify those things for myself yeah. as it goes on. But I, I think because it was a reading and you know things came along really quickly, I didn't have enough time to delve into it the way I wanted to. Mm-hmm. So I think a lot of it was like floating on the surface when I think I could hit a little deeper with him. You know, it's very insightful. It's very insightful. Um, and it, I feel you on that too. You know what I'm saying? Like I, I grew up around you know like this whole text in various contexts. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Stuck whole text. You know what I'm yeah. saying? It's mm-hmm. like, it, like it, I think it all has the same source, whether it's political yeah. or non-political. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, um, still as toxic. And I think that it, it is beneath it is a sense of feeling victimized. Yeah, Perhaps. Anyway, uh, so Cheyenne, mm-hmm. so writing it like, like so you was writing and the people that you like, um, 
was it like weird? Because was it your first time like writing something like a full in this kind of fashion? A full length play, yeah, for other actors. Um, so like, did you already have in mind the people you wanted to act it out? Um, and did you like tailor it more to their personalities? I think this was like very strongly inspired by the actors in the company. Like, I wrote with their voices in mind gotcha. for a lot of it. Some of it, you know, it comes from like verbatim conversations I've had with exes and things like that. Right. Also, so you know, it's just the amalgamation of people who inspire me yeah um but you know also i was like i think i had been watching like orange is the new black at the time i was like why the fuck couldn't uzo play this role like right. like let's get somebody who's i'm an so opposite. sorry <laughs> you're good. You're good. uh and uh how you pronounce it again Miyako, right? Yes. Miyako. Uh, Miyako just walked in and all of that. Right when you about to uh, wrap up after the studio. <laughs> good, son. How you doing? I'm doing good. Aye, aye, aye. Um, cool, cool. Um, so we were actually just wrapping up right now. Um, well, real quick, just a quick piece um, about you. Um, hello. Hello. Uh, <laughs> you're part of, uh, you know, the theater. The yes. theater company. Mm-hmm. And uh, so really quickly, uh, just let everybody know, like, uh, just tell me like where you're from and uh, how long you've been involved with the company and uh, a little bit about what you, you know, some of the stuff you was into before you came into the company. Okay. Um, so I'm from Indiana, mm-hmm. same as Heather. And I got involved with the company when Heather invited me around, what was it, two years ago? This is our second year. Cheese yeah. on bread. Yeah, this is our second year. So I was there like pretty close to the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, and before that, I was writing and acting independently. Mm-hmm. And I was, you know, I was getting booking gigs, but nothing really interesting. Yeah. It was all just like, you know, friendly black girl numbers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. right. The best friend. Yeah. I'm so sassy. Like <laughs> so, it's, it's really nice to actually do some stuff with teeth to it. So. Mm, word. It's funny because, like, this. Uh, we, I was really hitting on that summit thing mm-hmm. uh, really hard because I, I love that a lot and the, the characters were very uh, uh, the roles were very uh, complex mm-hmm. and uh, I, 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 but it was still very genuinely black in regards to our concerns and the things we think about in our life and I think I did it well so on that, on that note I'm going to end this you know what I'm saying? Listen to Art versus Life. It's QC. I'm here with the Revolutionary Black Theater Workshop. Is it Black Revolutionary? Yeah. Black Revolutionary Theater Workshop. You know what I'm saying? And uh, for sure. BRTW for short. Hashtag that. You already know. And uh, yeah, I holla. All right. How was that? It was dope, right? I told you. I told you. I told you. That was a uh, Black Revolutionary Theater Workshop. And I uh, hope you enjoyed the discussion. As you can see, you know, it was a nice little funny conversation. You know, uh, you know, you tell you could tell you're dealing with some real people, some real folk with some real concerns and really passionate about what they do. And uh, so yeah, man, I'm gonna definitely leave the links to, you know, uh, I'm definitely gonna leave the links to like their website, you can follow both of them, you know, you can reach out to them, or everything's gonna be there. And uh, Shout out to Non-Five Labs. They're the guys who created the theme music of the podcast. You already know. Uh, of course, you can get the link for that, too. So, yeah, man. Y'all definitely enjoy the rest of your day. And you can definitely catch, uh, you know, share, the, spread the word. Arvis uh, Light Podcast. You can search that on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Stitcher Radio. Stop playing with me. Now. Let me stop. But you already know, man. I holler.